the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so now we come to the golden rule. God is generous and good with us, and he's our example. We need to be good and generous with others. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So in essence, Jesus is saying what God is doing for us, he wants us to do for others. And that's where we left off yesterday when we wrapped up the Wednesday edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter, and we'll continue from that point in just a moment. If you grab your Bible, you can follow along. I hope you do that on a daily basis. If you'd like to know more about us, you can find those details on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And here's Pastor Leighton. God is generous to us, so he wants us to be generous to others. God is good to us, so he wants us to be good to others. God is forgiving toward us. He wants us to be forgiving toward others. God is gracious towards us. He wants us to be gracious towards others. God is faithful to us. He wants us to be faithful to others. Now, this rule in its inverse or negative form is the basis of all ethical teaching and is not exclusive to Christianity. In the negative form, it involves nothing more than not doing certain things. Uh, For example, in the negative form, it would teach behavior like this. If you do not enjoy being robbed, don't rob. If you don't enjoy being cursed, don't curse. If you don't enjoy being hated, don't hate. And it's not very difficult not to do things. This could be kept by anyone regardless of what they believe. In fact, this could be accomplished by simply doing nothing. But a goodness which consists in doing nothing would be a contradiction in everything that Christian goodness means. Jesus stated this positively, which made the demand far more demanding. It's easy to refrain from harming others, but it's much more difficult to take the initiative in treating others well, especially if they have done us harm. The former can be compelled by the law. Don't do this. Don't do that. But the latter can only be compelled by love. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus said, enter. In effect, he's saying, make a choice. Either live for God or live for something else. The way to live for God is narrow. In fact, we can only do things for God, God's way. Well, the alternative is very wide and easy. You can do whatever you want. But that's the way that leads to destruction. 
Now notice something Jesus reveals we ought not miss. Because we live in a society where it's common to measure how right something is by how many people are doing it. It can't be wrong. Everybody's doing it. We've all heard that phrase. But Jesus here is teaching that the majority is not always right. And the fact or perception that everybody does it is not proof that what they're doing is right. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. What is that narrow gate? And the answer is that narrow gate is Jesus Christ himself. In John 10:9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus here is speaking of himself. He's the gate. He's the way. The way to heaven is as narrow as Jesus himself. And because the way is narrow and hard, we have to be careful who we allow to influence us. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus here is warning about false teachers and pastors and preachers and prophets, and he calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. They might look like sheep on the outside, but inside their desire is to plunder and destroy the flock. When Paul was saying his farewells to the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he warned them, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. In Matthew 10, Jesus said he was sending out his disciples as sheep in the midst of wolves. In John chapter 10, he talked about the good shepherd who protected the flocks from the wolves. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So we need the ability to discern true sheep from wolves in sheep's clothing. How do we do this? Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. And he repeated it twice, at the beginning of the section and also at the end. And and he shows that men are like fruit trees. Good ones produce good fruit. Bad ones produce bad fruit. And he's saying the way you can distinguish a true prophet from a false prophet is by inspecting their fruit. Is their life filled with good fruit? Is their life filled with the fruit of the Spirit? The Apostle Paul described the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The way to distinguish a true prophet from a false prophet is to look at their fruit. Is their life and ministry full of the fruit that's described in Scripture? You know, when I meet other pastors, 
there are certain cues that I have that put me on alert. For instance, if someone, uh, if I sense that they are arrogant, if there's a, a trace of arrogance in them, I'm on alert. If they try to impress me with how spiritual they are, I am on alert. Now, there is a tendency of young pastors who recently graduated from seminary to be puffed up by their learning. And that's common for young pastors. But if after a few years that arrogance is, is not dispelled, then there's something wrong with the spirit of that pastor. So always be wary and watch out for arrogant pastors or those who try to impress you with their spiritual superiority. Now, Jesus mentions something interesting here. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, what's that all about? Well, there was a certain thorn called the buckthorn. It had little berries that resembled grapes. And there was a certain thistle that had a flower that could be perceived as figs. But these thorns and thistles did not provide nourishment. And the point that Jesus is saying is there might be a superficial resemblance between the true and false prophets. The false prophet might wear the right clothes and use the right language and so forth, but what they produce cannot sustain life, cannot provide spiritual nourishment. So one of the questions we can ask is, does the teaching of so-and-so satisfy the soul and bring us closer to God? Does it challenge us and encourage us and equip us to live for Christ? And then after describing the dangers of false prophets and how to discern them by their fruit, Jesus describes the penalty that awaits these false prophets, pastors, preachers, and teachers. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what Jesus is saying here is it's quite possible for a person to claim to be a Christian be baptized, take communion, even be involved in church leadership and missions work, and still never have been born again. In fact, there can be miracles that take place around this person, even miracles done in the name of Jesus, but that in and of itself is not conclusive evidence that that individual is really saved. Jesus warned that false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. In Mark 13, the Apostle Paul warned that counterfeit miracle signs and wonders in 2 Thessalonians. So claims to power invoking the name, powerful deeds are no guarantee that those people are going to be in heaven. Dr. J. Vernon McGee wrote, folk talk enthusiastically about certain so-called miracle workers today. And they say to me, you can tell God is with them. Well, in light of these verses, can we be sure of that? The name of Christ is on the lips of many people who are leaders of cults and isms. And just to use the name of Christ in the Bible is not proof that a system is genuine. It is not the outward profession, but the inward relationship to a crucified but living Savior that is all important. 
These the words of Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So neither proper doctrine or mighty works prove entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In the parallel passage found in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you to do? There's only one way that we can prove sincerity, and that is through our obedience. And so often we confess God with our lips, but deny him with our lives. It's easy to recite a creed or theology. It's not so easy to choose the Christian life. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Nobody said the right path would be the smoothest path. Those difficulties you encounter now and again, well, they strengthen you for the journey ahead, don't they? That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and he's in the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter, and we'll wrap this message up tomorrow when we come back with the Friday edition of Study, Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Details about the service times and other ministries available are on their website, highlands.us. You can also join with us financially and give safely on that website. Just click on the donate link there on the homepage. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll once again study verse by verse.